It was a great effort by the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday night, but they ultimately came up just short of beating the Houston Texans and failed to reach the playoffs. So what happened to cause the loss, including on the infamous fourth and one play? And what's next for the boys in blue? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always by my fellow writer and co-host at Horseshoe Huddle, Drake Wally. Drake, fantastic environment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday night. But unfortunately, the Colts came just short of beating the Houston Texans and moving on to the playoffs. And now that we know with all of week 18 settled, the Colts would have won that game. They would be AFC South champions right now. So really, it's a it's a very stinging loss for this team. Uh, but as we get into it, I think there's there's brighter days to come. But how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good, man. And uh, just like I had a wonderful opportunity to go to a pretty good atmosphere against the Raiders. Uh, thanks to you, you ended up going to a game that was complete and utter pandemonium. Uh, so, so damn loud that even C.J. Stroud uh, on the Pat McAfee show said it is, quote, the loudest stadium he has been in in the NFL. So uh, that's that's something he's definitely got to look forward to for, for uh, many years to come. But hey, at the end of the day, man, it was it was a great game. It was fantastic. I know that the Colts lost, but what a thriller. It lived up to the hype of a primetime game. And um, it all came down to one play. We'll get into it. Um, but look, at the end of the day, Hats off to Shane Steich and hats off to this team. They were 4-12-1 last season. They finished 9-8 and over double the wins. I think that the Vegas, like you said earlier when we were talking, had them at 6.5 uh, wins on the season. So they absolutely overshot expectations with youngsters, backups, and injuries galore. So, um, But at the end of the day, it sucks because you really wish you could have made the playoffs and won the AFC South because now that belongs to the Houston Texans. Yeah, shout out to the Loud House uh, there yeah. at Lucas Oil Stadium yeah. because it was loud, probably the loudest I've heard it in years. And and it was a very good environment. You wish that Lucas Oil Stadium could be like that all the time, but you can't really expect that. It was a playoff atmosphere, and and it's a, it's a sign of things to come, I think, when the Colts do host playoff games, hopefully eventually an AFC championship game where the, it's just going to be absolutely electric in there. But uh, we're we're going to dive into all the ins and outs of the game today first, and then we're going to talk about what's next for the Indianapolis Colts before we move on to some of the latest Colts news and rumors as the offseason officially began today with players clearing out their lockers, uh, making their parting thoughts before the offseason. So we're going to dive into everything here tonight for you guys, as always. Truett getting us off to a very hot start with his $5 super chat this evening. Truett, as always, buddy, thank you so much for all of your support. It is truly appreciated. Truett says, bummed about this year, pumped for next year to start off with JT and AR from the start. And that's that's going to be key, you know, a healthy, right. a healthy Anthony Richardson, a healthy Jonathan Taylor, uh, getting that work in the in training camp in the preseason to hit the ground running week one so true again thank you so much for your super chat buddy really really do appreciate it stats bats in the building says welp offseason time no need to look back anymore especially to saturday time to look to the future i think a lot yeah. of colts fans feel the same way marvin fox is here hey guys we didn't expect to go this far so it's a great year i think that's a good outlook to to have marvin uh and we'll certainly dive into that tonight because i think the colts def definitely overachieved and shocked a lot of the football world of how far they came under Shane Steichen with just in just one year. Patrick, the CFO, is here. Uh, I have some questions, none of which are about Saturday. Well, hey, Patrick, once we go. get to the after we talk about our game, start if you're start want some questions about the offseason, throw those in there, buddy, because we'll try to take as many of those tonight as we can. Uh, just little previews of what we're going to talk about. It's a long offseason. We got to fill up some content somehow. Tom Ford <laughs> also in, in the chat says, So damn loud, our safeties forgot what coverage they were. In. so a little <laughs> shot at the defense here tom but hey uh, uh we'll, we'll we'll talk about everything uh from this game and more so if you haven't done so please go follow us on all of our socials like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you don't ever drake and i go live every monday and thursday night so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live we're on youtube apple spotify google wherever you listen to podcasts we're on here as 
well. So make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star review so we can reach other Colts fans just like you. So, Drake, let's dive right into it here. The uh, Colts drop to the Texans 23-19, to missing the playoffs and end up missing out on a chance uh, for the AFC South, considering the Jaguars lost to the Tennessee Titans and, and fell out of the playoffs themselves, giving the Texans the AFC South. So as we dive into it here, I think we have to start, obviously, with the play that everyone is talking about, the fourth and one play. Uh, the Colts, minute six left at the fifth at the Texans' 15-yard line, and really the season was on the line at that point. And, and Shane Steichen, instead of going with Jonathan Taylor on the play, Jonathan Taylor, who had a monster game on, on Saturday night, He's taken out. Tyler Goodson goes in, and, and the Colts go with a pass on on fourth and one. And and uh, Gardner Minshew throws it out to Tyler Goodson. The pass is off the mark. Still, Goodson is able to twist and and make a play on the ball, and it hits him in the hands, but he's not able to bring it in. And and the Colts essentially lose uh, on that play. There were some plays after that, but they really weren't going to make uh, a difference there. So, Drake. What did you see on that play? Just give me your overall thoughts. And, and and I think we need to start out with with Steichen's decision on that as well. Do you agree, disagree, kind of? Where were your thoughts when the play happened, and, and what are your thoughts now? Well, I, and we, we talked a little bit about it earlier today, but, like, as soon as I saw – uh as soon as I saw Tyler Goodson out there, I immediately said, this is without question a pass. All right. You're not going to take him and try to run him for a yard. He's not a power back. He's it's no offense to him. He's a third, he's a third string back for a reason. And in fact, he's fourth string behind Trey Sermon, really. So um, he's done some good things this season, uh, especially um, I think mostly in the Steelers game, but look, I, I figured it's going to be a pass. And then I'm thinking who the heck are they going to throw it to? You know, I, last thing I thought is that it's going to be Goodson. I just thought that Steichen brought him out there because maybe he was thinking if I have Taylor out there, they're going to, they're going to know this is a, a run or the, you know, maybe he's trying to throw them off. But as soon as the play was ran, I, I thought that when Minshew threw it, I thought it started and you made a great point earlier. It started with Minshew's throw. It was not good. It was not a good adjustment by Goodson as as difficult as it was, I think he was asked, I think, I'm not sure if it was Joel Erickson or Mike Chappell that said, oh, you know, that was a tough one, right? And he just said, no, it still hit me in the hands. You know, it still hit my hands. I, I have to make that play. And, you know, he he really did take it on the chin after the game, you know. Um, but I think that my thinking was I personally would have liked to see Jonathan Taylor have the football. I understand where Steichen was coming from, but I'll go to this argument. I think he was trying to be just a little bit too cute on that play. You have an incredibly expensive ass offensive line. All right. You have pro bowlers on that line. You've got some all pros on that line. You need to, you need to use them. Well, maybe not all pros. I can't remember if Nelson's an all has as a former all pro, but regardless, you've got, you've got a line that has resurged, that has, has come back this season. They, they had life again and Taylor was on fire. Okay. I know that he was a little banged up, but man, you're paying Jonathan Taylor too. Just gave him a contract. I just would have preferred to see it in Jonathan Taylor's hands. And it's kind of going back to all the way back on the Super Bowl when Marshawn Lynch didn't punch it in on the one for the Seahawks. If he can't get it, then so be it. That's my thinking. With Jonathan Taylor, if he can't get that yard, then the Texans just beat you. But I think he should have put put uh, put the money where the mouth is, man. And you put that offensive line against that banged up defensive line of the Texans who were missing their best sack artist in Greenard, who were missing Will Anderson for most of the game. And Taylor was gashing him. So I think that he should have just had the ball. And uh, at the end of the day, though, hey, he did scheme it up correctly. It was a good play call. It just wasn't executed. Yeah, and shout out to Logan Schmidt, uh, the GOAT, coming in with a $5 <laughs> super chat here. Logan says, you, you need you guys to help me through the offseason. Well, buddy, you're in luck we're because we're here. We're going to have plenty of content. We're not slowing down at all throughout the offseason. Uh, and, and we're going to get you all guys all psyched for free agency where – 
likely nothing happens outside of re-signing <laughs> guys like always. And then the NFL draft where, where the real fun begins. So That's Logan, right. thank you so much for all of your support, buddy. Logan was at the game. I'm sorry, Logan and I couldn't be up again during the game, but Hey, there's going to be plenty more games to come. And next year I might even make a trip up to green Bay. We'll have to link up during that game as well, but appreciate all of your support. So Drake, uh, I think you made a really good argument there. And and I think this is one of the rare times where you and I disagree, which is good because I feel like a lot of That's times fair. we agree on stuff. So I'm going to give it from, I'm going to give it from a different angle here, you know, and, and I, I completely understand wanting to put it in your $42 million running backs hands and, and having him run the football. And, and, and you can be, you can settle with that. I completely understand that. And normally that's where I lie on, on these types of things. But on this one, I, I, I think situ, I think there's just some other things that play, play a factor. Number one, he was banged up. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I watched him walk back to the locker room grimacing, uh, with that ankle injury, uh, that he says is fine now. And he did come back and play. And but when he did return, it wasn't the same running back. There wasn't the same Jonathan Taylor that was gashing this Texans defense you know he was able to run for a little bit here a little bit there but on the very the very play before that fourth and one it was third and two and Jonathan Taylor ran right up the middle barely picked up a yard I would say maybe a half yard at best and then when you look at the screenshot of that of that uh uh, the play or you you look at the tape the Texans were kind of expecting that they went man to man but they were loading the box. They were making sure that Jonathan Taylor, that the run game wasn't going to beat them. They were going to have a hat on a hat and they were going to sell out for the run. And that's why Shane Steichen called that timeout because he got the look. They wanted to make sure they got into the perfect play and Steichen got into the perfect play because regardless of what people are talking about right now, if there's if that's a better throw by Minshew and Tyler Goodson catches that, gets a first down, possibly a touchdown, we're not having this discussion. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. how smart Shade Steichen is with that getting into that play call, trusting his guys, and going out there and winning the freaking game. But now, since it didn't work, a lot of it's always going, there's always going to be a lot of second guessing, which is fair. You know, and I don't think Shane Steichen is above criticism either, because I, I do think that 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 Shane Steichen, there's plenty of opportunities where Shane Steichen could have been better, uh, particularly calling that timeout. I understand why he called the timeout, but again, that wasted timeout, then they couldn't stop, really stop the clock and give time to 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 go back if they didn't get that fork down. But Steichen got his players in the right position to succeed, and that's really all you can ask out of a head coach. The throw needs to be better from Gardner Minshew. It has to be better. Gardner Minshew is not a guy that's just, that they picked up off the street and he's never thrown a football before. He's an NFL quarterback. That has to be a better throw. The Colts practiced that play hundreds of times this season with Tyler Goodson in that same position. So it's not like the timing wasn't there or anything. Minshew even said that he has hit Goodson on that exact play too many times to count so when that happens i understand it's a heat of a game but you're an nfl quarterback for a reason you've got to be able to hit that five yard flat route tyler goodson you're also an nfl running back you got to find a way to make that catch you know it's it's poor execution i think that is what it comes down to Steichen got the guys in the right position but they didn't execute so if i if i made a hierarchy of of who I would put blame on, I think it starts with Gardner Minshew. It starts with Gardner Minshew on this play. That just has to be a better throw. No excuses. It's not like he was getting, he had a defender all over him. Sure, the rush was coming, but at the same time, he, there, there, he, there was plenty of time for him to throw an accurate football. Then I would go to Tyler Goodson. You know, you, you still got to, you still got to make a better effort to catch that. You know, uh, you can't just let it hit your hands and fall to the ground. Then I would put the, the third, a third, I would say Steichen, you know, and that situation could probably go different ways. Do you really want to trust your quarterback that, that hasn't been playing well all game and, and a running back who hasn't really had much of a uh, 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 hasn't been a big part of the game plan or hasn't really contributed much in that situation. 
that's the that's what I would question more than 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 the the actual play call itself. So again, I, I think you can go a, a bunch of different ways with this, but for all the people that are saying this is all Steichen's fault, I, I just don't see that. I really don't. I think it's more on the execution because again, Gardner Minshew throws a better ball. It's probably caught by Tyler Goodson. He definitely would get the first down, and then who knows what would have happened from there. Yeah, and look, I, I I love the the hierarchy. I love the tier system there because look, this is a three yard flat man, and and Minshew. It's <laughs> look, it, it I I even if you're Sam Ellinger, even if you're the practice squad quarterback, even if you're late nineties Ryan freaking Leaf, okay, you should be able to make that throw. Okay, that is about the easiest damn throw you're going to make all game. Now, did was the was the light too bright for Minshew? Perhaps. Okay, but I th- I, I just I think at the end of the day, kind of like I think, uh, yeah, Kate Kate said, you know, man, I'm bummed. That's the play that ended our season. That is the general thinking for every Colts fan, even for analysts, even for writers like us that cover the team. It sucks that that's how it ends. But I think that there's a silver lining here. All right. Your your coach called a perfect play. I mean, that was perfect. He drew it up absolutely exquisite. He, if he catches that, even if he stumbles a little bit trying to backtrack it uh, and catch it off, you know, spinning like he like he tried to do, I think he has so much room. He he might even still be able to get it. Now, does he get tackled short? Who knows? But it was drawn up perfectly. It really was. And I think my argument goes back to it's like. It's really even for me. I, I would still put it a little bit higher with maybe Jonathan Taylor needed to have the football. But going back to what you said, Steichen just felt like, look, he's not – he doesn't have the torque, all right? He doesn't have that that piston-like uh, feel in his legs right now. Like, there's a chance he gets stopped. Or, you know, the typical Jonathan Taylor, if he hits the linebacker, maybe he gets that extra yard. Well, this Jonathan Taylor who's trying to overcome potentially an injury here – he gets hit. Maybe he goes straight down or gets driven backwards. Okay. Like you said, the Texans, they loaded that box. They really did. So we can all talk about it all damn day. But at the end of the day, the one concrete fact is that was the perfect play. It was drawn up perfectly. He knew exactly what to do. Minshew didn't throw it well. Goodson didn't catch it. Now we're talking about a loss and a, a playoff exit. And and I do think that I do think that it was it was good that to see everyone taking accountability for that play. Even yep. St- Steichen started out saying, you know, that's on me. I got I'm the I'm the one that makes the plays. It starts with me. I got to be better. But Gardner Minshew said that I got to throw a better ball. That's on me. Tyler Goodson saying it hit me in the hands. I should have ca- I should have caught it. That's that sense of accountability that has been put there on on this Colts culture. This Colts locker room, which is which is good to see, and I think in the long run it's going to make these guys better. This was a very emotional bunch after that loss. You know, yeah. it wasn't just those three. I mean, you talking to Jonathan Taylor after the game, he's holding back tears himself. DeForest Buckner uh, was was visibly upset at, at how the game ended. Tyquan Lewis was in tears. Very somber locker room because the Colts saw that what they were what they were working towards was right in front of them, and and they didn't execute. And they're they're going to be better for this. I. I really do believe that uh but let's switch gears here drake let's talk about jonathan taylor because my god what a game from number 28 30 carries 188 yards and a touchdown uh when when he was breaking those 10 yard runs just over and over again i was looking at that second level and i'm thinking to myself man pretty soon all it's gonna he's it's gonna happen soon he's gonna break one sure enough got the lane uh got got free alec pierce with the lead bot lead block all the way down the field and jonathan taylor scored that is why you pay that man 42 million dollars and he looked like the old jonathan taylor the old jonathan taylor was back in the building and for as disappointing as the season ended for the Indianapolis Colts, my God, Drake, that has to make you excited if you're a Colts fan to have number 28 back and playing at such a high level. This guy, until Anthony Richardson completely hits his full professional stride, the offense, I know there's Pittman, and look, I fully expect him to be back, but look, this offense still runs through Jonathan Taylor. I really do think it does. I think that's the focal point. That's where it all starts, and that's where it ends. And yeah. I mean, 30 carries, 188 rushing yards, and a touchdown. He had, and, and like you said, that beautiful 49-yarder. Alec Pierce, there's a reason I still have this guy's jersey sitting back here. I know that he he had four targets, no catches. He did the dirty work. 
All right. He got out in front and he helped Taylor finish off that run. I love it. I love wide receivers that get down the freaking field and block. Okay. So Jonathan Taylor, though, man, that is such a workload. We saw Zach Moss do it earlier in the season against the Ravens, I believe. And he had a, a pretty daggone good game himself, but he wasn't pushing 200 rushing yards. All right. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was literally the entire offense top to bottom. Minshew was pretty bad on the day against a lax, statistically lax uh, uh, Texas pass defense. All right. Who was missing a lot of guys and Minshew didn't really get pressured much. So I think that if Taylor does not have the game he has and he doesn't, he's not patient, kind of like he was in the Raiders game. You mentioned in that one, if he's not patient, they might've lost that one. Taylor was at one point a guy that when he saw a hole, he just hit it like he used to at Wisconsin. All right. He has the power, he has the speed and he has the elusiveness to just go. He's starting to get more veteran-like, though. And dare I say it, and you've said it before, he's looking kind of like prime Le'Veon Bell, a guy that when that ball is in his hands, he stops for a second and almost moves in slow motion, and then he's gone, okay? And then he's got a seven-yard run, an eight-yard run, and it doesn't even look like he's trying. And he actually saves his energy because of it. So I just really loved what I saw from Jonathan Taylor. Ultimately, it didn't, it wasn't enough. But, man, if you're asking your running back in 2023-2024 NFL football, to carry your entire football team, it's really difficult because eventually these defensive minds like D'Amico Ryans give him a lot of credit. He's a great defensive mind, okay? He figured out that, look, we got to take him away and we could probably win this game. Minshew is struggling badly, and he did, and that's what happened. So I still think that Taylor made his money, all right? He made that contract ha- He made that contract look good. He made the Colts look smart for, re- or for getting him to stay long-term. And it just makes you so freaking pumped for what Steichen can do with him with Anthony Richardson, who is literally the most athletic quarterback ever drafted. And people forget the Texans were top five in the NFL in run defense. Oh, yeah. To this point. What does Jonathan Taylor do? Almost rip off 200 yards uh, against a, a very stout Houston Texans run defense, just absolutely putting them in their place. And, and I agree. It's 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 exciting to see the explosiveness back with Jonathan Taylor, him finally getting back into his groove. And, and it was probably hard for him to really get back into his groove this season because of missing the first four weeks with that ankle injury injury uh then then kind of almost getting back his his preseason and kind of getting back at the groove all of a sudden when he starts to take off again against against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has that thumb injury keeps him out for another three weeks so uh that he's got to kind of ramp back up again and then we saw what happened on Saturday night so just a very impressive outing from Jonathan Taylor and and it's it's it just makes makes you more excited to see what what Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson can do together you know when and then he spoke about that today uh at his post game or his postseason uh press conference uh and and talked about how excited he is to play with Anthony Richardson seeing how dedicated he is and how disappointed he was that we that he only he only was able to play one play with Anthony Richardson on the season so Colts fans you're gonna have to be really excited about that now on the opposite side of things Gardner Minshew I mean not only was that fourth down play bad Minshew just didn't have it all evening drake looking at the stats here and the stats don't even tell the full story but he was 13 of 24 for 141 yards no touchdowns or interceptions sacked just one time for eight yards with a qbr of 47.7 but my goodness my goodness drake i mean gardner Minshew, we we talked about it which Minshew are we gonna get the 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 solid Minshew or or the erratic Minshew? it was the erratic Minshew to to the highest degree on on saturday night missing guys wide open uh not be not seeing uh blitzers coming which which i could see coming uh from from the top of lucas oil stadium it's just it wasn't it wasn't what you needed out of your quarterback in a winning in game you know he there was numerous times where he missed alec pierce again down the field uh that throw to mo alley cox where mo alley cox burned his man and it would have been a walk-in touchdown and he overthrows just just not what you need out of your quarterback in in a game that that you have to win and it really limited this Colts offense and and it put all the onus on Jonathan Taylor to go out there and win this game and and when you're in this playoff type atmosphere that's just not going to cut it and it's a quarterback driven league all right it, it's it's all about the it's all about the field general and look 
I know that we've talked about Minshew struggling with pressure. Okay. He was hit in the Atlanta Falcons game 11 times, sacked six times. You kind of say, okay, awful job by Blake Freeland, awful job by the offensive line, whatever. He was hit three times. Okay. Sacked one time. Will Anderson was really hurt most of the game. Jonathan Greener didn't even play. And you're thinking, what in the hell could possibly get him to dirt throws, throw overthrow people? Look, I really, I'm just, I know that this is kind of cliche, but I'm going to fall back on this constantly. He's a backup. All right. He's a backup quarterback, but, but he's one of the higher end. And, and and any given Sunday, Saturday, whatever game, he could be the highest end backup. Now, you talked about what Minshew are we getting. You kind of got the middle of the pack Minshew. Okay. He he just it's almost like he felt it looked like he was getting blitzed, but he he just never was. I don't know what was going on in his head, but um the big one is that Mo Alley Cox miss because he beautifully pump faked the defender and put him right in a frozen spot. And Mo just kept running. And then you're thinking, easy completion, easiest completion down the field that you could possibly ask for. And I remember Troy Aikman said, you just don't get many of those. And when you miss them, it hurts. And you're probably not going to see another one. Or he said something to that degree. And what happened? You never saw another opportunity like that. So um, now you got to ask, is Minshew going to return? Is is he going to stay in, in you know, Shane Stacken's pocket and in Anthony Richardson's shadow and just help, help you know, the young QB grow? Um, honestly, man. When he's played most of the season, I know he had an awful game when it really mattered most. But look, man, nine and eight, he played almost the whole year. They weren't supposed to win this much with Richardson. I think Minshew did his job for the most part, but when he needed to do his job the most, just didn't show up at all against a bad, statistically bad, uh, and banged up uh, pass defense from the Texans. And we'll see if that ends up being the final nail in the coffin or if Minshew is back in 2024. Now, Drake. While Gardner Minshew didn't deliver, C.J. Stroud certainly did. I mean, what an unbelievable performance from the Houston Texans quarterback. 20 of 26, 264 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. I mean, if you guys if you guys watched our episodes back last spring during draft season, you know how big of a fan I was of C.J. Stroud. You know, he was quarterback one for me. And and while I'm ecstatic that the Colts got Richardson, I think Richardson can be a top a top five quarterback. And I think he fits perfectly for Indianapolis. My goodness, you just kind of, you just saw what makes CJ Stroud such a such a, a special quarterback prospect along with Anthony Richardson, you know, that pinpoint accuracy, being able to command that offense. Uh even when he was under pressure, he was able to make throws off balance and deliver it to his receivers. So, Drake, how impressed were you with CJ Stroud on on Saturday night and 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 what do you think the Colts could have done differently to slow him down? You know, I, I do feel like you, everybody can say they could have brought pressure. They could have brought, you know, uh, uh, pressure through more blitzes. But, I mean, I really think that you might be looking, Colts fans, at a, a superstar here. Okay. It didn't matter if he was running for his life, falling off his back foot. He he was incredible. I mean, he made the Colts look silly, honestly. And so I, I do think that the fact that you don't have Tank Dell, who he is to C.J. Stroud, what Josh Downs is to Anthony Richardson, okay? That reliable, quick win guy, you don't have him. You don't have Robert Woods, who's the reliable veteran. You don't have Noah Brown, who's the big, deep threat guy. You don't have any of that. And you've just got Dalton Schultz, and he still carves up the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I know that, you know, Devin Singletary scored a touchdown. Guys, C.J. Stroud averaged 6.7 yards per rush. He had three for 20 yards. Devin Singletary had 63 yards on 24 carries. The Colts put him in the dirt for the most part. It was all C.J. Stroud, man. And he's a rookie in the biggest moment of his life in hostile territory. I can't say enough. I know that this is a Colts podcast, but holy cow, man. It, it, it makes you think Levis, Richardson, Stroud, Lawrence. Man, this, this division is going to be scary if all these quarterbacks can really hit their stride and if Lawrence can bounce back. So uh, at the end of the day, man, the fact that he was able to hit all nine targets for Nico, almost 200 receiving yards and that 75-yard bomb, I mean, you can't help but just be in awe. I was in awe at times. I, I was like, you know, even with pressure, he still found the right guy. He was calm. He was composed. It just wasn't – the moment was never too big for him. And I think you saw that in the Georgia game in his college days. You saw that it's just not too big for him. 
And, uh, you know, the weak city comments, whatever. Look, CJ walked in there and he won the game when it mattered most in his rookie freaking season. So don't put it past him and don't just don't discount him in the playoffs, man. I'm, I'm just telling you. So at the end of the day, though, I, I do think the Colts could have brought more pressure. It kind of reminded me of the uh, pressure they brought on Aiden O'Connell against the, the Raiders. And I even said in one of my pieces, they can't do that against Stroud. He will absolutely laser them to death. And he did. And uh, credit to CJ. He, he took advantage of the Colts not getting enough pressure on him. And even when they brought pressure and hit him, he still delivered those throws, man. Yeah, and then the Colts did a really good job against the run, only two point they yards did. per carry. But as far as as pressure is concerned, they they did get two sacks on C.J. Stroud, one from Buckner, one from Ronnie Harrison. But otherwise, the the pressures just weren't there. I mean, Samson Ebukam, Quiddy Pay, Dio Dangbo, really could they not get consistent nowhere, pressure man. on 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 C.J. Stroud. And what, that was one of our major keys last week before this game. You got to pressure Stroud and get him off his mark. You cannot let him sit back there and have time otherwise he's just going to dissect this defense apart and that's what he did on saturday night which is which is impressive because really he was only throwing it to one guy and that is nico collins nico collins you said he caught all nine of his targets Drake, nine catches for 195 yards and a touchdown Jeez. including the first play first offensive play for the texans where stroud just chucked it deep and collins burned juju brent's first 75 yard touchdown and and from there it, the Colts could never really, really rebound from that. So that's something that that I think this Colts, as they go through the season, something Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen really need to focus on. You're going to be going up against high-level quarterbacks in this division for a very long time. So you need to have a dominant pass rush that can really fluster these quarterbacks, and you need to have a secondary that can stick with the receivers in the AFC South and not let guys like a Nico Collins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, uh, a Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk. There's multiple guys throughout Tank Dell who wasn't playing but will be playing, but there's multiple guys in the AFC South that can cause problems. And the Colts secondary uh, for years to come, not only for next year, but they need to, to develop some depth as well. They need to be prepared for these high-caliber wide receivers that they're going to be facing at least six times a season. Yeah, and look, Nico Collins, I think this was the game where he, he basically showed the entire NFL, I'm a wide receiver one. All right. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely wide receiver one. And um, look, when you have one guy you have to account for, and they kept saying it on the broadcast over and over. I know Dalton Schultz was kind of that safety blanket underneath, but holy cow, there was nothing. It's like, it's like Collins is up here in the clouds. Schultz is on, is on like planet Earth's surface. And then deep in the core are the rest of the Texans pass catchers. And, and yet he caught all nine of those targets. There were, there was a couple catches where he was running and he was running pissed off and he like ran through Colts defensive players. So, I mean, they, man, Nico Collins really, really showed out and you got to give him credit. But at the end of the day, this is also a, a couple rookies starting for the Colts, one of which is a seventh rounder, uh, you know, uh, and then one of, one of them gets hurt. Juju Brents gets hurt. Here comes Daryl Baker jr. Doesn't really fare much better. Um, it, it just wasn't a good performance from the secondary. All right. Rodney Thomas also had an absolutely dreadful red zone play where he just, he covered a guy that was covered already. All right. So like there was just a couple <laughs> plays where you're like, what the hell's going on in that secondary? So um, credit to Nico Collins and CJ, man. They took advantage of it. Bobby Slowick, man, whatever the heck, whatever the heck that guy's doing, he knows the quarterback position. You might be looking at a head coaching position for that guy pretty soon. I, I wouldn't doubt that. But yeah, secondary is definitely uh, uh, an area that the Colts will need to continue Absolutely. to address throughout the offseason. So Drake, nine and eight season for the Indianapolis Colts. Overall, what are your thoughts on the season um, and 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 just about this 2023 Colts team and, and what's it what's it look like for the future? Well, it's I I think the sky's the limit. Uh, most of the year you're playing banged up. You don't have Braden Smith for a lot of games. You have Blake Freeland in there, who was literally just baptized by fire. A lot of the season you don't have Jonathan Taylor. Some of the time, some of the games you don't even have Zach Moss. All right, and in one of the games it was mostly Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson, and they still won. I think that to make this brief, because there's so much, you, there's it's this could be a very long answer to make this brief. The coach, the head coach, perfect, perfect, perfect hiring. I think that Jim Bob Cooter's an incredibly 
uh, capable offensive coordinator with Steichen. I, I think that, you know, co- position coaches like Nate Ollie, he's got that defensive front on point. I know that they didn't show up in this game, but I, I do think, I think Patrick Rice said it perfectly. They either need to try to find that that dominant pass rusher, or maybe they've got it. And a guy like Samson Ebicom, maybe he just needed that. He needs that second season uh, with the Colts in a completely new scheme. Um, so I think that the head coach is there. I think the coaching staff is there. I absolutely love the Tony Sperano Jr. hiring. That offensive line is back. Um, but also there's some studs on defense, man. You got EJ Speed in, a, in his first year as a, as a full starter. He looked fantastic this season. Uh, Zaire Franklin broke the Colts tackling record yet again. And, and that defensive front, they're so damn dangerous. I, I think that Julian Blackman, when he's healthy, leads the team in interceptions. Kenny Moore's probably going to be back. Like it's just, there's so much to be excited about. And, and I'll end with this, a healthy Anthony Richardson. There were times last season where he made just dazzling plays where you were literally your jaw dropped. Okay. He even was down 23 to nothing in a game ran right back into the game, almost got a win. I mean, the sky's the limit. That's what I'm going to say. I just think that there needs to be more development, more experience. Third youngest team by age average in the NFL, everybody. They're raw, and then there were guys that were hurt all season, and yet you still finish 9-8. and eight. Look, you need to count this as a successful season. I know they didn't make the playoffs. I know there's people who are cynical out there, and there's people that expect a lot, and I totally get it. But when you go 4-12-1, you fire your coach, you hire a player with no experience, and you have all this drama, all this offseason crap, you and I were writing constantly about Jonathan Taylor's contract. Okay, now you have a 9-8 and eight finish, and you were on the cusp of making the playoffs and winning the division. Man, it was a successful season, and I think that everyone needs to be very, very excited for what's to come. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I tried to when – I, when I was writing about the game uh, on, on Sunday – uh, I was. I tried to end my article uh, with some uh, with some positivity, you know, to 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 let Colts fans know the sky isn't falling, and try to try to calm people down a little bit. This fan base is very passionate, though, so I don't know if that really did anything to help. If anyone read <laughs> uh, read my piece after the game, but you have you have a lot of really good, really you have the the, the keys. Uh, the key players and the key contributors in in a lot of key positions. You know, starting at the top with Shane Steichen. You know, Shane Steichen is a star as a head coach. Yes, he is. Uh, if if you don't if you don't believe that or or you don't think that it doesn't it means you weren't watching this season to take a team that was missing their quarterback one, their running back one, their tight end one. Uh, a, a brand new secondary for the most part uh and, and for pretty much all season and and to go nine and eight after four 12 and one I mean, that, that that's a credit to Shane Steichen's uh, uh how he's built the culture with the Colts it's a credit to him enforcing accountability and and really turning this bunch into uh, this word he said so much resilience a very resilient team um so I, I think Shane Steichen has done wonders to this to this culture to this locker room and it's only going to continue as he as he makes his mark and and as he continues to shift and shape this Colts team into what he wants it to be Anthony Richardson I know it was a small sample size guys but he is the real deal if the Colts went nine and eight with Gardner Minshew would have been a hell of a lot better with Anthony Richardson at the helm and and he's ahead of schedule in his rehab he there's he's fully expected to be back for spring workouts and OTAs so he's going to start throwing here in in probably about a month maybe even sooner uh, which is great news to hear he's and and he's got a good head on his shoulders he's only 21 years old but every time you talk to anybody within the Colts organization whether it's coaches teammates whoever they talk about his commitment and his obsession with his craft always has an iPad on him always asking questions always studying trying to get better in practice even though he can't throw you you see him behind Gardner Minshew behind Sam Ellinger every time they take a rep he's doing the same thing he's taking that mental rep mimicking the footwork that he would be doing on that rep he's not not throwing or doing the throwing motion or anything but he's consistent he stayed locked in through the entire season using this as a learning opportunity making the most of it even though he couldn't be out there on the field 
Anthony Richardson, as long as he can stay healthy, when I believe he can, and he will, he's going to be the real deal. And he is going to be a superstar at the quarterback position. You have your running back, your $42 million running back who looked to be all bit of the all of his all pro self in that game on Saturday. He's back and locked in long-term Michael Pittman Jr. I know there's, there's been talks going around and we'll get to that. But I would be shocked if Michael Pittman wasn't here long-term. Josh Downs looks like a stud. The offensive line has returned to form, and I think will only continue to get better as Bernard Ryman uh, continue, gets better. As Braden Smith, he's not expected. you're not expecting him to miss seven games again. You need to add some depth at the offensive line, but that group has, has come back in a big way. And then on the defensive side, you have Buckner, Zaire Franklin. I expect Kenny Moore and Grover Stewart to return as well. The pass rush was much better with Samson Abicom, Quidipe, Dio Dangbo coming on. The secondary is young, but they showed potential. There's just a lot to be excited about with this yep. team. And I understand fans are, are upset and disappointed right now because of how this season ended. But shoot, guys, the Colts weren't even supposed to be here. And and what if what if Drake and I said all season long? And I kept thinking about this on, on the long drive home on, on Saturday night. It's not about 2023. This was just a cherry on top that the Colts were even competing for the playoffs. If they got, I said this at the beginning, if the Colts got seven wins this season, I would consider it a huge success. They almost won the division uh, with without their starting quarterback and with a rookie head coach. So very exciting to see what this Colts team was able to accomplish this year. And I think it's only the tip of the iceberg. So it's never been about 2023. It was always about 2024, 2025, and beyond. This Colts team is headed in the right direction. They have a star head coach. They have an incredibly gifted prospect at the quarterback position. One of the best running backs in the game. And Chris Ballard is still there, too. He's going to continue to work to get this roster better. So, Colts fans, you have to have faith and you have to be excited about what's to come for this team because I think the Colts are finally have the pieces in place at those at those two crucial spots, a head coach and that quarterback, that they can finally take this team and get it back to among the AFC or in the NFL's elite. Yeah, and look, that's where it all starts for a team to build. A franchise okay and a winning franchise and a winning culture is the head coach and the quarterback you've seen it all over the nfl then you have to build around those two things you have to give the coach weapons to use you have to give the coach the correct staff and then you have to give the quarterback weapons on the field to use and protection you know and of course you have to add de uh, defense but uh, again like you said seven wins is what you said would really be a nice benchmark and this was supposed to be a measuring stick for the Colts this season this is where you saw or you you at the end of it you were going to say all right what do they have how can they build from here they were damn near AFC South champions all right they were this close they were a catch and a couple yards away from making that happen potentially okay so like Andrew said, sky's the limit. Be excited. It stinks that everyone has to watch football um, and, and your team's not in the playoffs. But look, 18 teams every year don't get to get in there. All right. The Colts just so happen to be one of them. But look, they're going to learn a lot. And I think that as long as Anthony Richardson stays healthy, whew, look out, man, because this could be a really dangerous offense. And if they put the right pieces on defense and guys like Brents and Jones, if he continues to start and continues to be in the fold, if they grow, you could be talking about a really good team for years to come. Well said, Drake. Well said. Let's talk about the latest Colts news and rumors here. And we'll, we're going to start with a big one about Gus Bradley. A lot of Colts fans wondering what's next for the Colts defensive coordinator. Uh, Shane Steichen was even asked directly today about Gus Bradley and, and his future with the team. And, and Shane Steichen talked about uh, having trust in Gus Bradley. Uh, liking, liking and wanting continuity uh, uh, with his coaching staff. So it, while it, it wasn't an endorsement of, of Gus Bradley and he didn't definitively say that he would return in 2024, he also didn't say anything to, to make me think that Gus was going anywhere either, especially the continuity aspect uh, of his comment there. So Drake, what are, what are you just give me your thoughts on Gus Bradley? Uh, do you think the Colts should move on from from him or not and and then ultimately what do you think the Colts will end up doing 
Oh man, this is this is so difficult to answer because I know there's so many emotions out there on that man, Gus Bradley. Look, I'll I'll try to make this as brief as possible. Last season, his inaugural season as the Colts defensive coordinator, all that crap went down. All right, a lot of just complete confusion, almost a throwaway season. Okay, then here comes Shane Steichen. All right, then you give Gus Bradley two starters who are rookies. Okay, one of which is a seventh rounder, and Rodney Thomas fell off the face of the earth this year. Then you have Julian Blackman get hurt late in the season. Then you're talking about guys like Daryl Baker Jr., who shined in camp but did not shine when he was put on the spot in the regular season. Then you're talking about Tony Brown, who was – it was almost like 10 men were on the field when Tony Brown was a cornerback. I don't mean to be mean, but he was a, he was a ghost. And I'm not talking good ghosts like T.Y. Hilton. I'm talking about the ghost that haunts your dreams if you're Gus Bradley. So – I, I think that given all those, given all of that, I know that they stunk at times against the pass. I know that at times you're like, what is what is happening here? That play against Nico Collins, where he had that 75 yard touchdown. Look, Nick Cross took Dalton Schultz on that underneath route like he should. Okay, it was on Brents, and he got absolutely ripped apart on that. Okay, he got beat by a vet who's been in the league for now three seasons. I just think that you have to give Gus Bradley one more year. I think you need to. These guys, guys like Jalen Jones, guys like Juju Brents, if they go out there and they, uh, you know, they take a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry or somehow add a guy in free agency. I know that's not their thing, but if they go out there and they put the, the right pieces in place for Gus Bradley, they stay healthy. And if your stars are there, maybe it's a totally different thing. You can draw up all the schemes you want. If the talent is really lacking or the experience is lacking, it's almost never going to matter. Okay. So I think that. Colts fans need to give this guy just a little bit of a break. He's a smart defensive coordinator. I know he doesn't bring a lot of pressure. He also doesn't feel like he has to with a with a front like the Colts had. Okay, it's the it's the best it's the best as far as sack numbers. It's the best front the Colts have had in the Indianapolis era. We're talking back to Freeney and Mathis days here. Okay, so I think that Gus Bradley deserves just a little bit of a break. Now, if we're talking at the end of 2024 and they have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL still, maybe then you're talking about him getting canned. But I just think it's still too soon. You need to let Juju Brents develop. You need to let guys like Daniel Scott actually play. Uh, you need to let you know a guy like Julian Blackman be out there to call the plays. Nick Cross needs to develop more. And, uh, you know, Kenny Moore, uh, hopefully he's back and, you know, hopefully Jalen Jones works out and they bring some more guys in uh, to be defensive backs and just like, you know, add depth or starting potential. I just think that Gus Bradley needs one more season. I think that last year's a throwaway this year, super young, super inexperienced, a lot of injuries. I just, in my humble opinion, I think he deserves one more year. I think those are, those are really good points. And, and for me personally, I think it, if it was me, uh, I would probably look into moving on, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't move on without a plan, you know, because I, in my opinion, Absolutely. for, for just what my personal taste defensively is, I'm, I'm a guy, I don't like to bring pressure. I wouldn't like to bring pressure all the time, but, but certainly more than Gus Bradley is doing also big, big fan of, of pre-snap disguise, which Gus Bradley really doesn't do too much. He didn't, he didn't really see too, you saw some adjustments, but in my opinion, not enough. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I think Gus Bradley gets another year. I really do. I, I think that Shane Steichen really trusts Gus Bradley. Uh, I, I do think that that he'll he'll take a, a, a holistic look at this whole thing and realize there was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of young guys in key positions, and that definitely played a role. However, Shane Steichen is also a guy that, again, a, he preaches accountability. That's not just with players. That's with this coaching staff as well. He is going to demand that that this defense get better. You know, in all phases, creating pressure on a more consistent basis. The missed tackle thing has to be cleaned up. That just cannot happen in today's NFL. Uh, giving up consistent third and longs uh, that happened multiple times this season. I mean, even in the Texans game, you saw the Colts yep. got him into second and long, third and longs, and C.J. Straub was still able to convert. Has to change. You know, we got to see some of these younger guys taking the next step, the development from this coaching staff as well. And if that doesn't happen, then I think when you're in the next offseason, you're probably look Shane Syke is probably looking for a different defensive coordinator. So I, I think that is what's ultimately going to end up happening. We'll see if Gus Bradley can, can adjust things. And I'm not saying do a complete philosophical uh, and scheme change, but you have to have the ability to adapt. You have to have the ability to play to your your 
your player's strengths, not trying to fit uh, a square peg into a round hole, which is sometimes Gus Bradley seems to be doing more trying to fit uh, uh, the players to his scheme rather than the scheme to his players, which I think is is what is what makes really good coaches successful, like a Shane Steichen talking about making his offense geared toward the strengths of his of his quarterback and of his team. I think Gus Bradley could take a page out of Shane Steichen's playbook in that regard as well. Drake, let's talk about Michael Pittman Jr. and his comments today. So Michael Pittman Jr. is uh, uh, scheduled to become a free agent here at the beginning uh, uh, in the spring of 2023 or 2024, excuse me, in March. And and when he was asked today uh, about the his future, you know, he said he he is going to look at every option, and he wouldn't be doing his due diligence if he didn't. Uh, he said he's open to to testing free agency, also open to to being on the tag on the franchise tag. Doesn't necessarily want to play, but it could lead to a long term deal. So it just sounds like all options are on the table for Michael Pittman Jr. But I gotta be honest here, Drake. I would, like I said before, I would be absolutely shocked if Michael Pittman Jr. did not sign a long-term extension with the Indianapolis Colts and and be and, and the Colts keeping him in Indy for a very long time. Want to give a shout out to Carriage House for the super sticker, and I really appreciate your support. Carriage House says, "Appreciate you guys' best takes on the Colts oh. on YouTube. You're too kind, Carriage House. Really thank appreciate you. all of your support, and, and thank you for uh, for for joining us here on our live shows." means a lot to Drake and I. So thank you so much for all of your support. So Drake, what do you make about Michael Pittman Jr.'s comments? And then do you think he's going to be back with the Colts in, in 2024 and beyond? You know, I, I'm going to give some credit uh, on a post I had where I think that I said, you know, they have to bring Pittman back. And I think Wyatt Law responded, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he said that J- Chris Ballard is the kind of general manager that is going to be respectful and he is going to give his players the opportunity to see what's out there Uh, he did it with taylor you know let him explore trade options all right i know that ultimately he wanted to stay but look ballard is letting Pittman do he's just letting him he's being respectful i think to Pittman's, um you know to his livelihood because these guys still have to make money for their families they still have to do this and that and this is still a job i do fully expect him to be re-signed though i mean he was essentially at times the entire offense and the glaring game that really showed his worth was the Falcons game. When he wasn't on the field, holy cow, it was just totally different for Gardner Minshew. So I do believe Michael Pittman's going to be back. I do believe he's going to be a Colt for four or five years. The contract, don't really want to throw out numbers because, goodness, I I have no idea what it's going to be since they didn't extend him in the season. Um, It's probably going to be a little more than it would have been, but I also think that they just wanted to play it out and let him finish the season of focus because they were doing better than expected. So Absolutely. I think that you're going to see number 11 in a Colts jersey and they're not going to repeat the Danico Autry thing. All right. Especially at a skill position like wide receiver. Yeah, I, I, I again. Yeah, I think I think you're right on the money there. And I'd be shocked if Pittman wasn't back in a Colts uniform next year. Uh, but Drake, the Colts also made some moves today uh, to kind of keep and sign guys to future deals. So uh, instead of listing them off uh, for all of you guys, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull this up on the screen right now because there was a lot of moves yeah, that, the Colts, of that the Colts made today. So uh, this was for a tweet from earlier today where they begun the making moves already. So the Colts waived cornerback Tony Brown. Really no surprise there after he was suspended uh signed four guys to one-year contract extensions cornerback daryl baker jr safety trevor denbo linebacker cameron mcgrone and linebacker sagoon alubi and then they signed these guys to future reserve contracts so austin ajike uh, uh linebacker liam anderson wide receiver tyree cleveland safety marcel Dabo, wide receiver ethan fernier uh guard arlington hambright tight end jordan murray running back Xavier Scott and tight end Eric Tomlinson. So, so Drake, when you look at that list, anything stand out to you in particular about the guys that, that were re-signed or, uh, or, or signed to future contracts? Uh, so I, I do like the, the Xavier Scott, uh, future contract. I do. Th- I still think that he's got some potential to actually perhaps do something in Shane Steichen's offense. I love the Saguna Luby one and the Trevor Denbo one. A little bit confused about the Daryl Baker Jr. one, but um, it's <laughs> the one that's easily the the probably the most 
like glaring or like the one that everybody's going to know the most is Tony Brown. And I'm also not surprised because look, special teams are important. You can find special teams guys. All right. At the end of the day, Tony Brown's position is cornerback. He couldn't even play cornerback. So not really surprised by that. <laughs> I, I think, I think bringing back Daryl Baker jr. Uh, is, is more to give him another chance in the, in, in, in training camp, see what he can do. Uh, definitely some, some competition there. Trevor Denbo and Saguna Luby, both really good special teams players. So, so really, really no, no discrepancy about that one. Thought those are really good moves. And as far as the reserve future ones, I I, I do like Xavier Scott. But I, I am interested to see uh, what Marcel Dabo can do. You know, the Colts yeah. a little bit thin at safety, so uh, I think he could have a, an impact in the right situation. And 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 hopefully he can he can finally get off the practice squad and and really do something uh, in 2024. Uh, and then Drake, the final little bit of Colts news and rumors that we have today as the Colts are already having guys in the front office uh, tried to be taken away from them as the Raiders have requested uh, to interview assistant general manager of the Indianapolis Colts Ed Dodds uh, for their vacant GM position. Uh, Dodds has actually interviewed with the Raiders before and interviewed numerous times for GM positions. No surprise there. Yeah. And you know what? I think that he's earned himself um, that role, honestly, for, for a team. So don't don't be surprised if you actually see Ed Dodds get a position like that. And I know that somebody had mentioned is Morocco Brown potentially going to step into the GM role. Look, I'm all about Morocco Brown. Whatever they want to do with Morocco Brown, if they want to promote him, go for it because he's an absolute stud in that front office. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see if Dodds ends up leaving. Morocco Brown could also be a candidate for for GM positions uh, this year. Uh, both have been, have interviewed for for positions in the past, and I think it's only a matter of time before both of those guys become GMs in the league. So finally, Drake, our last Colts player of the game for the 2023 season. I think this one's pretty obvious who the player of the game was against Houston, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, 30 carries, 188 yards and a touchdown nominated for FedEx ground player of the week in week 18. Uh, just proving that the number 28 was, it was back to, to full strength and it's going to be a scary, scary combination having him with a healthy Anthony Richardson in 2024 and beyond. Yeah. And you know, uh, j- just to kind of go against, against the typical one, I, I have to shout out at EJ speed because he had 13, Let's see, he had 13 tackles, 10 solo, two two tackles for loss. He was all over the field, man. EJ Speed absolutely showed this season he is a freaking starting linebacker, and he's got a bright future with the Colts. Yeah, I think EJ Speed played played a pretty good game as well. But it's hard to beat having Jonathan Taylor out there That's running fair. for almost 200 yards, one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. So, so Colts fans, while well, Sunday wasn't – or I'm sorry, Saturday – Probably wasn't the the best feeling uh, with the loss in that game. Uh, the future is bright in Indianapolis, and the Colts overachieved, in my opinion, this year. Uh, they proved they've got a lot more in them than than people think, and and I think it, I think the Colts are on the right track to to getting back to one of the elite teams in the NFL. Yeah, and hey, you know what? Like we said, Shane Steichen has got this team locked in. I think that they believe in what he's doing. I think that Anthony Richardson believes in what he's doing, and. The sky's the limit. It's it's going to take staying healthy and it's going to take execution and a little bit more experience. And I think you're going to see this team win some serious games. Exactly. And that's our show for this evening, guys. Really appreciate everybody tuning in to wrap up the season with us. And we're going to have content all off season long. Uh, Chris Ballard still has to make his end of the year press conference, as I saw Wyatt Law talking about. Uh, there's going to be a lot of news on the free agency update, of course, oh, with yeah. Michael Pittman Jr., Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore II, Julian Blackman. Uh, we'll make sure to keep you updated on anything we hear about Anthony Richardson's health and what he is doing and then draft season is alive and well so drake and i are going to have you all covered here on the horseshoe huddle podcast all off season long as we welcome babies as well so uh that's it's going to be a wild busy (laughs) time for both of us we really appreciate everyone sticking with us and 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 talking colts football all year round shout out to our super chats this evening for truett logan schmidt and carriage house you guys are the best appreciate all of your support and everyone else uh that gave us support uh not only tonight but all season long it was a fantastic 2023 and drake and i are just getting started here at horseshoe huddle so uh please if you haven't done so go follow us 
us on all of our socials like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook, follow at Colts on FN on X and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live every Monday and Thursday night so you never miss an episode. If you can't catch us live or on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star review so we can reach other Colts fans just like you drake tell the people what they can check out on horseshoehuddle.com because as we all know you've been writing a ton of pieces and getting the content out to the masses yes yeah, so three good three bad and the colts has lost to the texans uh i also talk about how josh downs puts himself in hall of fame company uh this year and then i uh they did release the opponents in 2024 not the schedule just yet but go check that out to see who their colts are going to be going up against because it's going to be a tougher schedule than they had this season that's for sure Make sure you go check those out. From me, I wrote about that fourth down play on Saturday night uh, from all the different angles, from Shane Steichen's angle, from Gardner Minshew and Tyler Goodson, the decision, the execution, and then what's next for the Indianapolis Colts heading into 2024 to kind of bring some positivity uh, and a positive outlook on what's to come for this team in indianapolis it's not all it's not all gloom and glum uh in nap town as they say right. so uh, make sure you check that out and then tomorrow i'm going to have a piece out on michael Pittman on his comments and what i think is going to happen uh with indianapolis and their wide receiver one so make sure you check that out as well as all of the fantastic writings from our colleagues at horseshoehuddle.com go follow drake at d Walster drake you can follow me at andrew moore nfl and we'll be back Thursday night to talk more Colts football with you all sure to be a hell of a good time. So make sure you tune in and until Thursday night, enjoy your week and have a good one. Colts fans.